0: This is the return of the Far Out Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Monsters of Rock Cruise and Elvis Presley's Graceland.
1: Standing in the rain with his head hung low, couldn't get a ticket.
0: Welcome back to the Far Out Podcast, everyone. I'm Frank Hannon, your host, and this is episode 17. I'm calling it the Jukebox Heroes episode. On this episode, I'm going to be talking to Dee Dee Annell from Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee, the home of Elvis Presley. And I'm also going to be talking to Jeff Carlson of the Jeff Carlson Band. The music you were hearing there on the intro is Jukebox Hero, a new version of the classic Foreigner song recorded by Jeff Carlson. And uh, he invited me to play lead guitar on the song. I'm going to be playing you snippets of the song. and The reason I'm calling it Jukebox Hero is because Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, is the ultimate Jukebox Hero. It's been two months since I put out an episode of the Far Out podcast. There's been a lot of craziness going on in the world. Uh, the month of April, I took off due to the coronavirus and the COVID lockdown. And I just did not have it in me to come in the studio and record a podcast. But then I got real creative in the month of May and started working with some young artists. Young artists that want to be jukebox heroes with their lives. And so we started producing some songs. And coming up on this episode, one of them is going to join me. His name is J.T. Lux. And we're going to talk about the pursuit of music and having a career in music. So stay tuned for an interview with J.T. Lux, Jeff Carlson, and D.D. Annell from Memphis. Tennessee he had one. Man, that sounds killer. That's the latest version of Jukebox Hero recorded by the Jeff Carlson Band and myself playing a guitar solo which I'll share with you here in a few minutes on the podcast. Uh, this, this episode is called Jukebox Heroes and I just want to talk about what's been going on in the world. Actually, I don't want to talk about what's going on in the world. It's really gotten crazy. First it was the coronavirus. Now it's all these riots and the uh, racism and everything, but I don't want to talk about that because I feel that my job as an entertainer is to take your mind away from the problems in the world, especially with music and now with a podcast. So hopefully you're enjoying this podcast. You know, I did have a pissed off fan who sent me a message on Facebook and he said that I was a horrible podcast, a real shitty podcast producer because I wasn't delivering episodes. So I guess that's good news. I guess you guys are enjoying the podcast. Um, I will try to start getting back to them more often, but I am not going to make any promises. I want to tell you, uh, one of my mottos in life is don't make a promise and then not keep it. So I am not going to sit here and tell you that a podcast is going to come every week or every two weeks, even I, hell, I don't even know when I'm going to do another one, but right now I am making one right now as we sit here. So this one is about jukebox heroes. And what is a jukebox hero? It's a musician that inspires somebody, uh, uh, you know, to to choose their path in music And the song is about a kid who picks up a guitar and becomes one himself And recently, instead of making podcasts My big passion has been recording and coaching some young bands And I'm very excited about that I just decided to call it Frank Hannon Productions Throughout my whole career, I've always recorded and engineered demo tapes for my friends, uh, tried to pass on the stuff that I was learning at the time, you know, because Tesla worked with a lot of great producers and coaches, starting from Ronnie Montrose to Dwayne Hitchings, Max Norman came and worked with the band, Peter Collins, and, you know, we got taught a lot of tricks on how to write songs. I don't want to say tricks, but the art and the craft of writing songs and then ultimately recording them and making them sound as good as possible. Uh, When I first started out, it was with a four-track cassette tape machine made by Fostex. I'm sure a lot of you musicians remember that, Uh, cassette tapes and four-track machines. Uh, Now on the computer, we're doing it with Pro Tools. But even before you start recording, the most important part of producing music is writing the songs. And... uh, I have found some great musicians here locally that are really young guys uh, that are writing songs, and we're going to come out with some singles here over the next couple months, so please stay tuned and visit Frank Hannon Productions on Instagram. Once again, that's Frank Hannon Productions on Instagram, and check out artists like Red Voodoo and Lux. A band fronted by JT Lux, one of my proteges that I'm going to talk to here next on the Far Out podcast.
1: So he's not rocking it!
0: Welcome back to the Far Out Podcast. I'm Frank Hannon, your host. And today, this episode is Episode 17, Jukebox Heroes. And uh, what inspired me to do this was a tour of Graceland and learning about Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, the ultimate jukebox hero. And then my friend, Jeffrey Carlson, who recorded that cover of the classic foreigner song, Jukebox Hero. Also, my newly refueled passion for producing artists, local artists that I uh, really admire, their talents, some uh, young artists. Uh, there's a band called Red Voodoo that I'm working with. We're getting ready to release a single called Rise Up. Uh, I worked with a guitarist named Austin Moe, and I've been working closely with another guitarist named JT Lux. Uh, I met JT when he was like, I don't know, 15 or 16, and he's he's almost uh, 21 now, not quite, and he's joining me right now in the studio. JT, what's happening, buddy?
2: Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me back. I I really enjoyed last time uh, being on the podcast.
0: You know, you kind of pushed me to do a podcast back in the day because you're a fan of podcasts.
2: I love podcasts. Yeah. And when you uh, first brought up the idea of a podcast, I thought it would be a great idea to reach out to different types of audiences, you know?
0: Well, it's definitely done that. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, different people who have discovered me outside of Tesla doing the podcast. And when we did the beer and, man, we went crazy last year. And, you know, you've been kind of shadowing me, man.
2: Yeah, ever since about October, you know, we did all those shows. And the beer party was super fun, too. Everything that was leading up to that. And uh, I've just had a blast, you know, looking from behind the scenes and uh, working behind you. Because I grew up a huge fan of Tesla and I grew up a huge fan admiring your work. Oh, thanks, man. Well, speaking of
0: work, are you starting to realize how much hard work it really is?
2: Oh yeah, it's a grind, man, seven days a week, especially if you wanna you wanna get anywhere, you know.
0: It's interesting to try to be creative and mix in the element of work at the same time. Like I, I've been really impressed with you and your new band and the work ethics that you guys have shown. Since January, you've come up with like Eight to ten new songs.
2: Yeah, full, uh, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, solo, everything like that, you know. I've probably had, you know, close to 50 I- unfinished ideas, you know, this year.
0: Well, you guys have dove into a rigorous practice schedule, which is essential to developing your music and becoming a jukebox hero.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Making it a full-time priority has definitely been my goal this year. You know, putting in what you want to get out of it is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at it in a new light.
0: Yeah, throughout my whole career, I mentioned this earlier that I've tried to help bands, you know, get signed, make demo tapes. Uh, Local guys, you know, one of them actually was the Deftones. They came to my studio and they've had a great career. I'm very proud of the small amount of work I was able to do with them. But they're an example of a band that stuck together and worked hard. But more often than not, Every band that I worked with either broke up or didn't want to work hard, you know, or screwed it up by getting high. It's tough
2: to to keep a band of guys together nowadays. It's
0: well, back in 1989, I discovered a band in New York City, and I don't want to get too long on this story, but long story short, I discovered this killer band and I started producing their demos. We had a lot of fun. The Record company that I was involved with, Geffen Records, uh, signed the band on my recommendation, flew them out to L.A., and we started producing demos, and then they got all strung out on heroin and totally fucked up the whole thing, and it was a major disappointment, and it's experiences like that that made me realize, you know what, I just can't waste my time doing this producing thing anymore, but now... Having worked with you and working with Red Voodoo and Austin Moe and you young guys that are really super dedicated and hungry, I'm back at it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to be working with you and getting your input on songs, helping out with arrangements and, and hey, maybe this part might be better going before this section, you know what I mean?
0: yeah, arrangements of a song is the the parts is is a, a big thing. There's a lot, a lot of details that people don't realize that it takes to just write one song, much less a whole album and then going on tour and having a band.
2: Or even like a, a one drum fill, you know, you could spend 30 minutes sitting there trying to execute a perfect fill or section going into another section, you know what I mean?
0: So everybody, I'm talking to JT Lux, and the other thing that JT has done is he has edited this podcast a lot, like when I go, uh, a lot of stuttering and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: uh...
0: <laughs> So, editing is a skill that's important to learn. Um, There's a lot of skills in music. Uh, What else have you been learning, bro?
2: Well, yeah, the editing was a huge part, you know, learning how to use Pro Tools with uh, making my own music. It it allowed me to be more independent, you know, whereas before I'd have to wait to go into a studio. If I had an idea, I could just sit down and and log it into the computer, you know, and put it into Pro Tools, you know. Even if it was just an acoustic version of it that would turn into something electric, it, it was really fun to sit there. And I think that's where I learned a lot about arrangement.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of things to learn. I, I want to tell everybody, if you are an aspiring artist, then learn every part of it. You know, Me personally, I love doing live sound mixing. I love setting up lights, a stage,
2: all of it. You know what? Uh, one time you told me something that changed my perspective was listen to the songs more. Just sit and listen, you know, instead of trying to play all the time, sit back and analyze every little detail of it. And that really changed my perspective on how to write a
0: song. So coming up next on the podcast, we're going to have our guest, Jeff Carlson. And JT, you jammed with me and Jeff. What a cool guy, right?
2: Oh, yeah. He's a great guy. Got to meet him back in November when we did that private party. Well,
0: let's get Jeff Carlson on the phone here in a few minutes. JT, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners on the Far Out podcast?
2: I'm working on new music, and it'll be out this summer. And I'm very excited to share it with you guys. Me and Frank produced, uh, co-wrote everything together. So I'm very excited to showcase it.
0: Hey, I'm excited too, man. We're looking at releasing your first single called The Eagle.
2: Uh, yes, yes. It's uh, one, of my, one of my best songs that I think I've ever written, so I'm excited.
0: I love that song, man.
2: And also coming up in the month of June, look for Rise
0: Up by Red Voodoo, man. And you've been helping me with Red Voodoo. So as a jukebox hero inspiree, you're learning the production side too, right?
2: Yeah, we uh, just shot a music video for those guys last week, and I was helping out with the production and everything, and getting lighting and everything right. It was such a cool experience to be behind the scenes of a music video and helping out in different ways, you know?
0: It's fun, isn't it?
2: Oh, it's great fun.
0: That's what I love about producing. It's being behind the scenes and doing all the creative stuff that people don't even realize happens.
2: Yeah, you don't realize how much goes into like one music video. There was 12 or 13 guys that we had there that day to help out with one music video. It was, was kind of cool.
0: And even the audio part, recording in the studio, uh, you've been helping me in the studio setting up mics.
2: Yeah, learning how to record uh, guitar, bass, drums. Drums is, is the most fun. There's You're micing up every little thing and, and trying to get the, the room mic in the right position in the room to get that full sound and implementing that into the mix is is awesome, man. Hey, speaking of
0: studios we're going to be talking to Dee, Dee Annell from graceland on this podcast uh, she is coming up so please listen to the whole thing because she takes us on a tour of graceland and elvis presley had a mobile truck and he actually recorded albums with a mobile studio in graceland did you know that bro
2: that's so awesome, man. That's so, that, that's so innovative for its time, you know? Totally
0: innovative. Elvis Presley was and is the king of rock and roll. Please listen to the rest of the podcast with my interview with DD Dee Dee Annell and Jeffrey Carlson coming up. JT, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so much, Mr.
0: Frank. All right, let's get Jeff Carlson on the phone. Hello? Hey, we are live on the Far Out podcast and I have got on the phone from Las Vegas, my good friend Jeff Carlson. What's happening, brother? Hey, man.
1: So glad to be here. Thanks
0: for calling, Frank. It's great to hear your voice, Jeff. Yeah, man. Hey, so I just spun a little bit of Jukebox Hero, the song that uh, we recorded together. Well, you actually recorded it and invited me to play a solo on it, and the track is kicking ass, man. You did a great job on that.
1: Thank you very much. Lou Graham's always been one of my heroes, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you nailed the Lou Graham tone, man. And, uh, oh, thanks. you know, Troy Laqueta <laughs> from Tesla heard it, and a few other of my friends friends have heard it and they were blown away by your singing. Oh,
1: thank you. That's that's a huge honor. <laughs> hey, so when did you start singing, Jeff? I actually started when I was about 14, 15, somewhere around there, you know, and it's been a labor of love the whole time. It didn't it didn't come natural at first. I had to really work at it. Um, oh, I hear but, that, you know. man.
0: Singing to- <laughs> singing is hard. It doesn't come natural to me either. There's uh, very few people that have that gift, <laughs> right? But uh you uh, yeah. sound you sound very natural, especially on this jukebox hero track. And uh Thanks, th- man. the theme of this podcast I'm doing here with you is Jukebox Heroes and the ultimate jukebox hero, Mr. Elvis Presley. And uh, and from
1: what <laughs> from what I understand, you're a huge fan of Elvis, is that right? Absolutely. Um I've loved that guy since I was a little kid. <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. <laughs> I don't think anybody's done what he's done in music. <laughs> well, what turned you on to Elvis, man? Was it the uh,
0: Comeback Show? I saw that on TV when I was a kid, and it blew me away, the Comeback oh, Show. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that it's funny. Everybody calls it that now, but back when it first came out, um, it was released in December of 68. It was actually called Singer Presents Elvis. He used to go out to the gates at Graceland all the time and sign autographs, you know, and one of the fans, they came up to him, and they're like, we loved you on the Comeback Special, you know, and he's like, come back. I never went anywhere. What are you? About? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so. true. That, that's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. So no, what- but I honestly, it was I, I'm sorry if I got me to cut you off. But um, I, I just want to let you know, I saw the impact he had on audiences. And that was the deciding factor for me as far as like, oh, my God, he influenced
0: a lot of people, including Led Zeppelin. I mean, you know, they were totally. Impressive. Jimi Hendrix was called the Black Elvis. Did you know that?
1: Oh wow! I did not know that. That's cool, man.
0: Yeah, there's yeah, he- I get it. There's some headlines uh, in some of the European magazines from when Jimmy came out, calling him the Black Elvis. It's probably because wow. he was, you know, gyrating his hips and flicking his tongue <laughs> out and. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was a man.
0: <laughs> he was what he did, <laughs> doing all that,
1: doing all that sexual stuff
0: with a guitar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and also I've never seen the female population react so strongly to uh, one guy as <laughs> Elvis Presley. Wow. Ah, so now that now
0: the truth now the truth comes out, you were 14 years old and you wanted to get some female
1: attraction. <laughs> yeah. Well, my guitar was always the calling card, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, being 14,
0: 15 years old is a rough age for uh, junior, junior high school kids and high school kids. And so picking up a guitar for me at that age, you know, I picked it up a little bit earlier, but by the time I was 14 and 15, I was playing the clubs and, uh, attracting some attention you know not not necessarily good attention
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's all good man yeah i hear you no i hear
0: you oh so let's get back to elvis man so we were talking about natural singing and what about a natural
1: voice huh elvis presley had that natural tone he did and you know the man was blessed he he truly was i mean talk about someone who was he taught himself how to play piano i mean he was he was relatively a decent piano player um he took a couple lessons on guitar from uh, childhood, uh, a childhood friend of his. I think it was a uh, an uncle or somebody that in the in the uh, church community that taught him. He was really into gospel, how he grew up and everything. And gospel, honestly, was his favorite music to sing before, even before all the way to the end. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, the man had it all. (laughs) And very young, too. You know, he
0: bought Graceland when he was in his early 20s. So I called you from Graceland. I sent you a photo when we visited Graceland. And what inspired this podcast is Tesla was on the road earlier this year before the whole coronavirus thing. And the last show we did was in Memphis. And we uh, went to Graceland and visited. And I got to uh, interview Dee. She's coming up on this podcast as well. And uh, she showed us all of Elvis's uh, history there at Graceland. And you'd mentioned Elvis going out to the front gates there. Did you know that he used to invite kids onto Graceland from the neighborhood and play football with them?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was something he started in high school. His high school football coach wouldn't let him join the team because he wouldn't cut his hair. So but he always loved football. He always loved to, you know, throw football. That was something he always did. Hey, speaking
0: of his hair, did you know he was actually a natural blonde?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did know that, actually. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. You know, so, so many facts about Elvis that people probably don't know that we're going to expose on this podcast. He, Elvis sweet. Presley was a blonde.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sure was. And he, you know, was, he did a movie called The Kissing Cousins, and he had to wear a blonde wig for a dual role, and he hated it. He didn't even want to come out of his trailer for
2: it.
1: <laughs> right, right,
0: right. Well, Dee told me that the reason he uh, dyed his hair black is he said there was no never a great actor in Hollywood that had blonde hair. So he wanted to to, uh, be a great actor.
1: Yeah. James Dean, though, didn't he? Have one? Well,
0: well, they were were probably direct competition with each other. Exactly. Elvis and Jimmy Dean. Yeah. uh, You know, Ricky Nelson uh, was a star back then. I mean, that was the glory days of rock and roll, man.
1: Totally. Can you imagine being alive back then? I I have and trust me. I wish we could go back to (laughs) that. Yeah, Yeah. it would be so great because you know everything was so new. You know, I mean, (laughs) right, right. It was brand new and
0: uh, yeah, just being discovered. So yeah, so Elvis Presley, Ricky Nelson, James Dean, Johnny Cash was in the mix back then. These are all yep. the jukebox heroes of the old days, and uh, absolutely. I mentioned jukebox hero because that's your latest single, and uh, you just yeah. told me you're working on a new album. So tell us, about, yeah, tell us about that.
1: We've got a single that we're getting ready to to put out, but I'm I'm doing the last minute touches on the vocals. It's going to be called Fire, and the name of the record is going to be called Liquid Sky. But we're we're going to release the single. Uh, probably in the next couple months um, because I just want to make sure all the vocals are right and it can't go out till it's right. And um, sometimes that's even harder than doing a cover because you have to, Write what sounds natural for the chord progression, and that's not always easy. You know? <laughs> oh, tell me
0: about it, man. I've been, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of co-writing lately with uh, really uh, younger artists. Uh, I've got three uh-huh. three artists on my new label now, and uh, if you want to work nice. together, work together and try to brainstorm on some words or lyrics. If you need my help, man, let me know. I, I'd love to work with you, Jeff. It's always oh, a,
1: that's a thank you, Frank.
0: Always a pleasure working with you and talking to you. Uh, so, uh, do you have any uh, expected? Uh, release date or it's still
1: you're just still working on it and you're not going to rush it right right exactly that's the whole thing Um, I want to be sure that at the end of the day there's nothing I can't sit there and say wow I should have done this you know I'm literally exploring just about every option I can think of as far as writing goes and melody lines, you know, before I, you know, because we did a version of it already and it's not, um, I wasn't happy with it. So until, you know what I mean? It's the perfectionist coming out. You don't want to release something that's not like a hundred percent, you know?
0: (laughs) So. Well, there's a flip side to that. Being a perfectionist can, you can work almost too hard. And I had a manager once tell me that if you're 80% happy with an album, then you've succeeded. I like to strive for 90% (laughs) at least. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, right. Right.
0: <laughs> but it is good to take your time. You know, the Beatles, I mean, there's like a hundred versions of Strawberry Fields that they did over and over again until John Lennon was happy. So that's a normal, wow. it's a normal process, you know, and I've been trying to teach these young, uh, these new young jukebox heroes that I'm working with <laughs> not to be in such a hurry and just throw stuff out, you know, because yeah. uh, give, yourso- yeah. give yourself and give the music time to develop and, you know, listen to it over and over again, come back to it a week later. Later and let it breathe, you know?
1: Absolutely. That's it. And it's so easy to burn your ears out you know, just doing it over and over and you just almost have to set it down, come back to it and then figure it out sometimes, you know,
0: take a breather, which is what I've done from the far out podcast, uh, the whole month of (laughs) the whole month of April and half of this month of May, I've taken time away from it. Uh, I needed a break and sometimes a
1: break is good, bro. It is man. Absolutely.
0: So you doing okay with this, uh, this lockdown thing. Actually, you're doing great. Every Saturday night you're broadcasting live. Tell everybody about that.
1: Uh, it's something I started as a way to communicate with friends and family and of the of the band a connection without having to. You know, obviously we can't play yet, you know, so I'm like, well, that's the next best thing. And I mean, everybody's doing it. So I just thought and it's grown man. I can't believe how much it's grown. It's crazy. Well, that's awesome. I'm so thankful. (laughs) So we're
0: talking about the JCB, the Jeff Carlson band, uh, Jeff Carlson Army on Saturday nights. Tell us the name of the show, Jeff.
1: It's just it's called Saturday Night's All Right for Rockin'. And it's on the JCB Army uh, Facebook group page. JCB Army
0: Facebook group page, everybody. Yeah. Be sure to check out Jeff Carlson, he's a great friend, great singer, great musician. I met you Thank in you. Tus- Tucson, Arizona, but now you're based out of Las Vegas, which happened to be one of the homes of the great Elvis Presley. Let's get back to, let's get back <laughs> yeah. to Elvis, man.
1: <laughs> I love it, man. Elvis is my hero. Anything you want to know, I-, I could probably tell you about him. <laughs> well, well, why don't you tell
0: us about that tattoo you have taking care of business?
1: Oh yeah, you know, I thought it would be cool just to, yeah, I went to actually, I got it at the Stratosphere and took it off of a a beer koozie yeah. <laughs> and and the tattoo artist just put, uh, I've got, it's the, it's the, ta- the TCB stands for taking care of business in a flash. That's the lightning bolt.
0: And, and, um, and that's Elvis's motto. Let's talk about right, that a little bit. Right. Elvis was a taking care of business kind of guy. He was a cop. He was. He joined, he joined the military at the height of his career. I mean, can you believe that?
1: Yeah, he got drafted. He wasn't happy about it at first, but see, a lot of people don't like Colonel Parker because of how he took advantage of Elvis at the end, especially because he took over 50% of his earnings from 73 on. But he uh, orchestrated Elvis's early career to make it look like, you know, and he still recorded enough music while he was in the army to be released. So it didn't it didn't seem like he was gone that long out of the public eye. And Elvis was really scared that he would lose his position in where he had worked so hard to get for being out of the public eye, but Colonel Parker basically fixed that. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I wish let, I had a manager like that. <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Management, it takes a good uh, team of management and producers to, uh, to make the artist and any successful team reach the field yeah. goal, you know,
1: honestly. Totally. Well, yeah. you know that, Frank. I'm not telling you nothing new, but yeah, Absolutely.
0: Well, listen, Jeff, if you ever get to Memphis when this whole coronavirus thing lifts and uh, hopefully all these riots and all this going on in the world uh, and, I know you know, you can go visit Graceland, go visit Dee Dee. She's awesome. Awesome. You know, tell her Frank sent you. <laughs>
1: I will. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your listeners may want to check out Elvis did a song Right when Martin Luther King got uh, shot and and he was so upset over the, the world it, the way it was. And it reminds me of what's going on now called If I Can Dream. And it's the most beautiful song, man. It's just incredible.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to check that out, you know, and I'm going to recommend, Jeff, that you might think about covering an Elvis song, bro. I absolutely
1: will <laughs> at some point. <laughs> and maybe,
0: maybe that one
1: there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too, man. I I love that title, man. That's killer. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, all right. I'm going to let you go. If you see Elvis in Las Vegas, if he does happen to still be walking the streets, man, give him a high five, would you? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Hey, thanks for being on the Far Out podcast, Jeff.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it very much.
0: That's Jeff Carlson, everybody. Please be sure to check out the Jeff Carlson Band and Jukebox Hero. All right, that was my guitar solo section of Jukebox Hero by the Jeff Carlson Band. Uh, When Tesla was on the road last year, we went to Graceland, the home of Elvis Presley, and we were very blessed to have a tour of the whole place given to us by Dee Dee Annell. And right now I'm going to speak to her. Here she is. Didi, how
3: you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm worn out a little bit because that was a rocking show. I, we had a great time. I'm so glad you guys are here.
0: Man, and I am so glad that we got to visit Graceland today. Thank you so much for that tour.
3: You're welcome. It was great showing Elvis's life around to you and just a great time. You know, I really enjoyed that. I, you know, I've been to Graceland before many
0: years ago on, when Tesla came to town, but this one was different. You know, the way you were explaining everything. I really felt like I got to know Elvis a little bit. You know, I left the place feeling really good. It was cool.
3: You know, everybody knows Elvis has a beautiful voice, and always kind of like to bring out, you know, his, you know, humanitarian side and what a gentle and kind person that he was.
0: Yeah, well, you truly came across that way. I, I learned so much today. I didn't realize that Elvis bought that property when he was just twenty-two years old.
3: Twenty-two years old and for $102,000.
0: Yeah, it's 13 acres right in the heart of Memphis. If you've never been there, I really suggest that you come visit Graceland and have Dee Dee give you a tour and introduce you to different sides of Elvis. You know, I learned so much. I never knew that Elvis was actually a blonde.
3: Right. I know a lot of people don't, so I always like to point out there as like, I think he was just a natural, dark-haired guy with blue eyes.
0: Right, with blue eyes. Yeah, what a handsome guy he was. He was. Huh?
3: Even Jerry reads like told him he was the best-looking man he'd ever laid his eyes on.
0: Oh, yeah. I and think Johnny Cash was a little envious, too. Yeah.
3: Huh? I mean, you know, he just, I mean, he just had the perfect charisma, the good looks, and good charm.
0: And a good heart, too. That's very, what I learned today.
3: Yeah. I, I love his humanitarian side, how gentle and kind that he was, and so very giving. So we pulled
0: up to the mansion today, and it was starting to get dark. We started taking
3: pictures, and
0: we walked in, and you pointed out the stained glass that he has there that are gorgeous stained glass peacocks mm-hmm. there tell the listeners why he had that
3: well he did own peacocks um once they started seeing the reflection in the paint of one of his cars they started pecking the paint so he gave him a nice new home at the memphis zoo <laughs> but also they stood for eternal peace and therefore he had them installed by a company here in memphis called Lockhoff stained glass company
0: Yeah, it's a gorgeous mansion. Now, tell us when the mansion was built.
3: It was built in 1939. Elvis purchased Graceland in 1957.
0: Nineteen fifty-seven, at the height of his career—not even the height of it. That was pretty early on, wasn't it?
3: it very early on. It's just—I mean, of course, he started driving a truck for Crane Electric Company at nineteen, and then, um, of course, uh, Sun Records, and then that's all right, Mama. On July fifth, nineteen fifty-four, became uh, history here, yeah. here in Memphis.
0: Yeah. So then we took a left and we went into the dining room where Elvis and his family shared many meals there.
3: Yeah, a lot of great stuff other meals, and, you know, Elvis loved to have people around him, so the dinner table was always full. Kind of liked to sit to the far right so he could watch one of 14 televisions that's in the home.
0: Yeah, that's right. There was three of them in one room alone, because he liked to watch three at a time. He
3: did. Well, so he got the idea from President Lyndon Johnson, who liked to watch three newscasts. Elvis, he enjoyed watching three football games. <laughs> so the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns were two of his favorite teams. That's awesome. Awesome. I, I tell you, I've, I never
0: knew so much until today about Elvis Presley. And so he was a very private guy, even though he had a lot of friends and an entourage. He did have a private side, which was upstairs at the mansion.
3: Right, the upstairs is closed off to the public. Um, Elvis always met his guests downstairs, and and he had the little
0: the secret window there he could peek through there. I, I was
3: yeah. <laughs> he had the uh, he had a privacy wall put in. Uh huh. But you know he would always meet everyone downstairs. Of course, always fully dressed. Um, you know, jewelry on. You can hear him just coming down the stairways. Some of the things how Lisa Marie remembers that.
0: Now a lot of artists like Johnny Cash and Elvis. They They came from poverty, and they they came from hard times from that era. And uh, you had mentioned that Elvis didn't like to wear jeans. He liked to dress up and feel good about himself.
3: He did. Wearing blue jeans kind of reminded him of being poor in Tupelo. Not that he wasn't proud that he came from Tupelo, but um, he he was always dressed up. He would go down to shopping at Lansky's. And he would look in the window, and Mr. Lansky would try to get him to come in, and he told him one day, I'm going to come in and I'm going to buy you out.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've been to uh, the Peabody Hotel and Lansky's store there, and Mm -hmm. the shirt I was wearing tonight was in honor of Elvis. It was a black Lansky Paisley shirt that I was wearing. (laughs) Yeah,
3: he he liked the Paisley. Even, I mean, his tuxedo from from his wedding was a Paisley tuxedo. So did he purchase Graceland before he was in the service? Uh, Right about the time that he was drafted into to the Army in 1957. Of course, 58 to 1960, he went into the Army. Yeah. But he, about that time, he did purchase Graceland.
0: There's a great video of him in the business office area there, in the back that we went, where he's mm-hmm. talking about missing Memphis. Mm-hmm. And that was cool.
3: Yeah, that's one of my favorite, favorite parts is, you know, someone asked me, what did I miss about Memphis? And I said, everything. And that was <laughs> Elvis's quote.
0: Yeah. And he also talks about making it through the military and not trying to, to fight it, but just going with it and being part of the team, which I thought was fascinating, because what an individual he was. And for him to learn that and to do that was honorable.
3: Right. And he kind of put his, you know, his career on hold and then, you know, definitely loved his country and served his country. You know, he made a lot of friends there, too, but Elvis was a very um, American soldier. Very patriotic and very honorable man. And he was also a lawman, too, right? Uh, kind of an honorary lawman. Yeah, uh, He would actually get in the car, and he, sometimes he would put on a blue light. And uh, if he saw someone speeding, he would uh, pull them over, kind of give them an autograph, and tell them to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh,
0: he also played football with the neighborhood kids.
3: He did. He would get some of the kids over, and he would pull them over across the fence, give them a football jersey and football pants, and away they go playing football. So he had his own football team, Yeah, EPE Enterprise.
0: Wow. What an amazing guy. Man, I feel like I learned so much from you, D.D. Thank you for uh, sharing that experience with us today. Let's see. What else did I learn about Elvis? Oh, that he would record at Graceland. He was one of the first artists to have a mobile truck come to the house and make albums in his own home, like a home studio.
3: Right. In the mid-70s, kind of later on, Elvis kind of wanted to record at home. And so RCA would come to Graceland. And, you know, ironically enough, the carpet is on the ceiling, so kind of acoustically it worked out for Elvis. So he recorded two albums in that room, Elvis Presley Boulevard, Memphis, Tennessee, and over half the songs from Moody Blue were recorded right here in Memphis and Graceland.
0: That is amazing. There's some amazing photographs. You gotta you gotta visit Graceland. If you're listening to this, I really advise you to come see Dee Dee and, and tour the mansion. One other thing that I learned that I did not know about Elvis and that he and I share in common is the love of horses.
3: Right. He bought Priscilla a horse and then kind of he kinda of took on that horse you know, being his favorite as well. He had the
0: horse ranch there at Graceland. Behind there, Mm -hmm. there's the barn, and it looked like there was about 10 acres of paddocks fenced off.
3: Right. And, you know, you, and all the everybody would get a horse, even if you didn't want one. And he would bring the horse in the house? He, he did bring, uh, he brought uh, Lisa Marie's pony inside the house and kind of did what it naturally would do outside, but he was very quick to get it cleaned up before his grandmother saw it. <laughs> so I think it's pretty neat that even though it was Elvis's home and he was paying all the bills, he was still very respectful of his grandmother to get the mess cleaned up.
0: Oh, uh, well, you know, horse poop doesn't really stink that bad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I guess it, whenever it was coming into the jungle room.
0: <laughs> in the jungle room there. Speaking of which, he had he monkeys, had a, too.
3: Yeah, he had a monkey named Scatter. Um, used to keep him dressed up in a tuxedo. Wow. <laughs> so he, was, he, he was, Elvis had a lot of hobbies and just a lot of fun to be around. And had a great kind of comical side to him as well.
0: Yeah. The other fascinating thing that you said is there's no trash cans there. that They didn't throw anything away.
3: Right. That's kind of like my... Kind of like my inside kind of joke. I was like, Graceland has no garbage cans. We have um, over 1.5 million documents and objects in our collection. So every- everything from receipts to checks that were written for the purchase of the lions out front. Mm-hmm. If anything that we have is purchased, we have a canceled check and a receipt for it. If Elvis purchased it, you got to remember um, Elvis's dad and you know, of course, Elvis. Uh, they were from the Depression area. Yeah. So they saved everything. Everything was just very valuable to them because that's what all that. Sometimes that's all that they had to hold on to.
0: Sure. And Elvis worked very hard, and he earned everything. He you know he worked really hard. They uh, kept track of everything.
3: Right. And he did everything kind of in a span of 20 years, even kind of packed it in, you know, 31 movies, two documentaries, over 800 songs that are recorded. Of course, you got to think soundtracks and.
0: And movies. Movies. So then we walked from the uh,
3: office area there where you could
0: see all that. And then we walked out to the back there where the horse ranch was. And his horse's name was Rising Sun. Is that right? Uh Rising Sun. And he was a Palomino. Mm -hmm. And there's videos of Elvis riding him.
3: Yeah, Elvis was a great cowboy. He, yeah, he definitely would have, you know, been great in the cowboy movies. Sure, I am surprised he wasn't in more westerns. You yeah, kind of. Toro was the only kind of western movie, but yeah. he, he's a great cowboy.
0: Yeah, he could ride pretty good. I saw him loping there and and running around mm-hmm.
3: there. He loved Graceland and he loved to you know to show Graceland off too. Yeah, I loved having people around.
0: In the videos, he's got a lot of friends riding with him and they're
3: running around. Those are so. probably those guys, even if they if they. Did didn't want a horse they still got one <laughs> they still got one yeah you were gonna join in on the fun that's Elvis bought a you know he's got plenty of like trikes and um we count there's snowmobiles but down here in the south there are grassmobiles. oh yeah so everybody I mean he would buy a whole however many guys that were in the entourage he would buy them one as well wow man what a great guy I'm telling you
0: when you do this tour you you walk away feeling good and you feel like you You've gotten close to Elvis And you've met the man And really you feel like You know him more It's really a trip
3: It's always a great honor To share Elvis's legacy I'm grateful that he was You know That he chose Memphis As his home
0: Well I'm grateful That you took us on that tour And I'm grateful That you are on The Far Out Podcast Thank you so much Dee. Dee. Thank
3: you so much I appreciate you having me on
0: Alright That was Didi Dee Dee From Graceland In Memphis, Tennessee The home of Elvis Presley The king of rock and roll This is Frank Han Signing off on the Far Out Podcast.